Welcome to American Football in Finland, where a few of us Americans in Finland discuss the football being played here every week. You can follow us on Facebook at American Football in Finland or check out the latest show on perfectpurpose.com forward slash AFF. For mobile access to our podcast, subscribe to American Football in Finland on the iTunes podcast app and Android listeners can follow us on the Podbean app on Google Play. All right, the voice you're hearing in your ear, I'm Perfect Purvis, and here today we have a special show. My normal co-host Jabari Harris, he couldn't make it today, so I have with me from the Helsinki Roosters, the wide receiver, the Welsh native, Timothy Thomas. How you doing? Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to it. The show's going to be a little different today. It's just going to be me and uh, Timmy talking today. Is that all right if I call you Timmy? I've already nicknamed you that, but is that okay? Yeah, that's fine. It's by me. Everyone calls me Timmy anyway, so it's cool. Uh, we're going to talk about last week's Maple League results. Uh, I'll ask Timmy a couple of questions, personal questions, get to know him a little bit, and then we'll discuss next week's Maple League games like we did last week. So heading into the Week 10 games, the first game was on Thursday night, Tampa to Saints, at the Helsinki Roosters. Obviously, the Helsinki Roosters won 55-14. to What I saw in the game was the Roosters showing that a setback won't hold them back for the rest of the season. They came out and beat an inferior team and did it in sound fashion. They went through the game. They had more total yards. I think they had a little bit over 500 yards total, and they had 400 of it rushing. It's probably the first game all season that they didn't pass for more than they rushed. And a lot of that had to do with the fact that Jason Taylor had the ball only 12 times and had over 200-some yards rushing and three touchdowns. So, like I've said all year, the Tampa Saints' defense is Swiss cheese and it's full of holes. And then in this game, the Roosters went about it a different way. And instead of using their normal, like, balanced attack with a little bit more than pass – they actually flipped it a little bit and ran a little bit more than they passed, and it just happened to work out so well for them because you had Jason Taylor had over 250 yards rushing, but then the backup running back, Kari, young Kari as I like to call him, he had 149 yards rushing. So you had two guys rushing over a little bit over 140 yards apiece, and you had three touchdowns on the ground, not to mention Connett still got to throw the ball and scored four passing touchdowns with only 80 yards of total passing yards from him. No, that can't be right. 80? 80 yards, yeah. Okay, that is right. I'm looking at the stats and I'm thinking, no, but that's what it is. He On 80 total yards, he had four touchdowns. So I guess when they needed to score in the passing game, they did. It was no problem. And this was a game that no one really expected the Saints to give much of a fight, and they didn't. But – I was a little bit upset with how the Saints just they could not get any passing game going. The quarterback was three for twenty-two with forty-two yards and a touchdown. I mean, out of his three completions, one of them was for a touchdown, but he had like eighteen incompletions in that game. And I know the Roosters have very good defense, so he was pressured. He's on the move a lot, but they have to figure out a way to create offense through the pass game for them to even compete in these games, especially against a talented defense like the Roosters. So I try to talk a little bit about everything because my co-host is going to be biased in this game. But I am going to ask you, uh, Timmy, 
What did you notice in the game that was a little bit different than what you guys normally do? Because obviously the run game was there and you went with it. But what did the Saints kind of do to like let you do the run more than the pass in this game? I think obviously you've seen the, the whole season so far is that we do pass the ball a lot. Yeah. And we are a heavy pass offense. And uh, Roosters over the last previous years have always been a run-dominant team. Playing, I think, coming from the, the Royals game where we did struggle to run the ball um, with five in the box, I think we came to our drawing board and we thought, you know, the best thing to do is, you know, get our running back, uh, running game back up and running to show that we can actually run the ball. It showed, you know, Jason Taylor, you know, he let loose like he, he always does. And obviously, young Kari as well is, in my eyes, you know, one of the best finished running backs there is. And you see it against the Saints. So I just think we just kind of want to, you know, show to ourselves that, you know, we can pass the ball and we can also run the ball. So hopefully we can see a bit more of that coming up. Yeah, I think it was a, a really good thing to see because, like like you said, the offensive identity is a little bit different than the past. But the Roosters kind of showed in this game that, hey, we might not run the ball all the time, but we can. And I think that's kind of something that, like you said, y'all were getting away from earlier in the season, and now you're kind of getting back to it. Every time I watch the game, I'm watching Jason Taylor, and I'm just like, this dude is probably the most physically gifted and talented player in the league, and he's he's living off of 10 to 12 carries a game because there's so many weapons, so many weapons, so many options for the Roosters, and you don't need him. But a game like this where he goes over 200-some yards, still on 12 carries, it just shows that he is that dynamic-type player. And the Roosters, I'm, I'm not going to call it luck, but damn, it's some type of blessing to have somebody on a team like that who's always ready to go, but you guys don't use them unless you need them. It must be nice to have that type of luxury. Yeah, I mean, you can see, you can see it like that, but in, in, I say in my eyes, I think, having Jason Taylor in there is a massive thing for us. You know, everyone knows how well he can run the ball. Yeah. Um, I'd say, I'd say personally that we, you know, we do need him um, for the pass game. Um, yeah. Cause obviously he does, you know, he does draw linebackers in, bring safeties down and does open up for us. And we take advantage of that. Just, you know, you just can't, you just can't ever sleep on Jason Taylor. That's what I'm saying. That's for sure. So moving on to the next game, Saturday, the Senioki Crocodiles traveled to Porvo and they suffered a defeat by a score of 40 to 14. Now, in this game, Porvo did exactly what you expected them to do. But I, I really want to give credit to the offensive line from the Butchers because, yes, uh, Ricky Stevens had 170 yards, three touchdowns. He's been killing it since he joined the team. And I, I said I didn't want to do this, but I will do it. I will start talking about the imports they had before. Darren Hall was crushing it in the Maple League. And then Stevens comes in basically to replace him and picks up where he left off. And if you were to, mm-hmm. to add these two guys' stats together, you have over 1,200 yards of rushing between two different per- people, 14 touchdowns if you add both of their touchdowns together because now uh, Stevens is at seven Hall left, he was at seven. Hall left had 600, 600 plus rushing, and now Stevens has 590, almost 600. 
So yeah. the constant has been this offensive line. They've been able to do this all season. Every week, week in, week out, you know that the Butchers are going to run, yet they still do it effectively. And playing against the Crocodiles was no different for them. They came out early in this game, 26-0, to and put it on the Crocs. And then it kind of it went away a little bit later on in the game. I do feel like the Crocodiles gave them a little bit more of a fight in the third or fourth quarter than what we expected. But when you get a 26-0 lead early in the game, whatever happens later, it happens, but they did what they needed to do to win. Another guy I wanted to talk about is Daniel Luoma, the wide receiver for the Porvo Butchers. Now, I don't know exactly how old he is, but I'm pretty sure he's under 19. He's either 19 or 18, something like that. He's a young kid, and he is playing lights out for them as a wide out this year. He made a lot of big plays in this game. I think he had, let me look at his stats. He had six receptions for 65 yards and a touchdown. Now, that that's decent. It's not like overwhelmingly R.J. Long or Roman Runner stats. But what you have to look at with Luoma is that he was going against D.J. Washington for most of that game. I want to say besides two of his catches and his actual touchdown catch was against D.J. Washington, the whole day he's going against him one-on-one against this seasoned American vet who's traveled around the world and played in different places. Uh, D.J. Washington played for Swarco last year. Now he's playing for the Crocodiles. He knows how to play the defensive back position. And Luoma is competing with him every play. And ultimately in this matchup, he won. So that's something that a lot of people don't see in this game is that a finished receiver playing to that type of level. I mean, think about it right now. Name me some of the top finished receivers in the Maple League. You can't name that many. And the ones you do name, they're people that have been around for a while. Daniel Luoma... I think this is his second, maybe third year in the Maple League. But either way, he's not even 21 years old yet, and he's competing with the big boys, and he's doing it on a consistent basis. This is only going to make the Butchers more dangerous coming down into the playoffs. On the defensive side for the Butchers, this game was not indicative of what they usually do. I said before this game that the Crocodiles would, would need some type of mistakes by the Butchers, or to catch the Butchers into different situations for something to work. And I said that the Butchers never let that happen. One thing that you can rely on with the Butchers is that they are a consistent team. They make good tackles. They make good decisions. They're ready for the offense. That wasn't the case in this game. They got up early, and they did make a few good plays. But there was times during this game where the Crocodiles were moving the ball And you're like, how are they doing this against the Butchers? I think a lot of it had to do with the fact that they had Anthony Brooks, their quarterback, and they went to a different offensive scheme. And I don't think the Butchers had seen it before. I don't think anybody's seen it before. Brett Aravey did a really good job mixing up plays. I think they had a reverse at one point. They did an onside kick in this game. They stripped the ball in the red zone from the Butchers. They got uh, Miko Seppinen had a fumble. Those type of like crazy plays don't usually happen with the Butchers. Now, for the Crocodiles, that type of stuff is what they they feed on because they're a less talented team than their opponents a lot of times, and those type of plays is what they use to stay in the game. For 
a very long time in this game, the score was 26 to 14. Meaning the Crocodiles were down by 12 points for a very large time in this game. After they gave up 26, they slowly got back in this game and they were competing. But at the end of the game, the Butchers did what they do well and they closed out the game with a couple of touchdowns. And that's how you ended up with your 40 to 14 score. But overall, it was a really good game, and I, I see positives from both teams. But I did, for the first time, see the Butchers kind of look like a normal team and make mistakes that a lot of teams have already been making this year. Uh, my thoughts on this game, obviously looking for the stats as well, is Anthony Brooks stepped in a quarterback, which is good. But they made him throw 36 times. Yeah, that's too much. I thought that was, I thought that was crazy. As You know, he's coming in as a receiver a slot receiver, and then stepping in as, as quarterback and making him throw 36 times. I'm not going to take away from him because he did all right for that. But I just think, you know, the Crocodiles uh, should have come up with a, a little bit of different game plan instead of putting everything on his shoulders. I just thought that was a little bit crazy. I see him go, but I know Anthony Brooks is a baller, so he does, you know, he does what he does. I see the Butchers, like you said, pretty much what you said by the offensive line. You know, with Darren Hall going down and then Ricky Stevens coming in and those guys, you know, producing stats and it all comes down to offensive line. And I watch these guys and I see that the interior line, they are dogs. They, they get, they go at it. You know, that's really what you want. And you can see why they're doing so well because the offensive line is always, always working hard, you know, always pushing those guys back, making life easy for Ricky Stevens. And obviously Ricky Stevens is a baller. We've seen that, you know, two years ago with Trojans as well. So that guy, you know, you give that guy a bit of space and you can see what he did. You see what he did to the Crocodiles. A good foundation to have it around. Yeah. Uh, oh, and uh, as we're talking about uh, the young kid receiver, Daniel Loma. Yeah. You know, I've got a lot of, I've got a lot of respect for that guy. You know, he's a young guy because I played corner against him a little bit and you could see, you know, he's quick on his feet. He's smart. He's aggressive. He uses his hands. In a few years' time as well, keep playing this, get more experience. You know, he's going to be you know, one of those top finish receivers in the country, if he's not now. Yeah, what, one last thing about the game. I mean, the score, I mean, it was a lopsided score. At the end, they couldn't outlast the Butchers. But I'm still going to just throw this out there. Like what you said, Anthony Brooks had to play quarterback. He threw two interceptions. The two interceptions he threw were in his own red zone. So they immediately resulted in 14 points. If you if you were to have a situation where you had a an actual quarterback in those situations and threw the ball away instead of throwing it to the defenders on those plays, you're looking at a 14-point swing when a team was winning 26-0 and then the Crocodiles scored 14 unanswered. So just thinking hypothetically, if it was, what, 26 minus 14, 12? If it was twelve to zero, and then those the butcher, I mean, then the crocodiles scored those fourteen points. You're looking at a game going into the fourth quarter instead of a team just holding on and then adding on. You're looking at an actual close game, which could have changed the outcome. So for the butchers, this game was offensively another game, just like any other. They put up points. They did what they had to do. They had a lot of yards, but defensively, they showed that. They can be human, and they can make mistakes. But the Crocodiles showed a lot of gut, saying, hey, we're going to try a couple of trick plays. 
They did an onside kick that no one expected. I thought that was really cool that they did. And they were in this game. Even though the score doesn't show that they played close, they were in this game the entire time, and the Butchers never could really take it easy. They had to score at the end of the game to put the game away because it was still looking close. It was a 12-point game for a very long time before they put it away. So just kudos to the Crocs for fighting, but you guys got to either get Brett Aravey back at quarterback or bring in someone who can play quarterback so Anthony Brooks can be one of your skill position players. They they have to figure out a way to start winning these games if they want to play spoiler this year, which is pretty much what they're playing for now. I think they got the team to do it, but they have to have the right personnel for the rest of the season. Moving on to the last game, Monday night. Hamelina Huskies went down to Turku and beat the Turku Trojans 32-14. Interesting thing, all three games, the losing team had 14 points this week. There was a, a 55-14, 40-14, and the last game was 32-14. to Each game got a little bit closer, but the losing team all had 14 points. In the Huskies versus Trojans game, this was a very boring game to watch. I was a little disappointed in watching it, uh, mostly because the Huskies were the better team, and they showed it throughout the game, but there was nothing very special about either how they scored or how the Trojans attempted to play against them. Uh, the Huskies had a, a very good game statistic-wise. They had 425 yards compared to the Trojans with 297 one thing I noticed was the Huskies were not very good in the red zone. They were actually three for six in the red zone and scoring, which means the Trojans' defense actually held well against them in the red zone. And from my view, what I saw was there was another time where they were right outside the red zone, so it doesn't count as red zone, but pretty much four times they were in scoring positions and the Trojans stopped them. So you're looking at a team that had 32 points that should have had 50-something points. They should have easily had 60 points in this game, but they didn't finish a lot of their drives. And that leads me to wonder, what the hell is wrong with the Huskies? Because we've been saying it for the last couple of weeks that, okay, now people have film on their offense, and it's it's stuttering. It's not, it's not being as, as good or nearly as easy going as it was earlier in the year for them to put up points. And they're stalling. This red zone stat is letting me know that they're not scoring when they should. I don't know if the the players just aren't up to it, but I know that Roman Runner makes a big difference for this team. He had over 150 yards receiving, two touchdowns. He's in the game. They're going to win. Throw it up to him. He's the guy. But take him out, and you see the team that we've had before. So going forward, this game is just indicative that the Huskies are not playing like they're the top one or two team in the league. They're playing like they should be in the playoffs, but they're not playing like a team that wants to win it all. They're playing like an average team. And they showed against the Trojans, who are easily the worst team in the league, hung around with them for the longest in this game. I don't I don't really know what else to say about it. I'll let you say something, Timmy. I didn't actually get a chance to see this game, but obviously you're looking at the stats and um Obviously, I know a few players in the Huskies, you know, for the British guys, and uh, I know Roman and Nico. I uh, just hear those those guys are a little bit banged up right now, and um, I think that's what's holding them back right now. I think you know, as soon as they start getting healthy, as you see, like 
you know, Roman's coming back, he's getting a bit healthy and uh, you, you can see it in his performance, you know, 154 yards, two touchdowns. You know, when that guy is in, like you said, you know, he makes plays. You know, Nico recovering from his ankle injury. You know, a few players on defense are here. So I think at the moment with the Huskies, you know, as soon as they start, you know, getting a bit more healthy, I think they will get back to the Huskies team that we've seen at the start. You know, Stan with his offense, you know, and they're, they're doing, you know, they're doing good things. They're struggling at times, but you can see that they're still putting up big numbers and stuff like that, maybe making it look hard. But I think, you know, as soon as they get healthy, it's to be all right. The Trojans, I mean, the Trojans are getting better, but there's not much hope there from now. I just think as soon as these guys start getting healthy, and like you said, like Roman, running around, catching the ball one-handed, you know, making plays. You know, it's exciting to watch. It's good for the fans to watch as well when he makes those plays. So, yeah. See, that, that's why that's I'm glad I, I have game. you on here today, Timmy, because I know me and Jabari would be really upset with the, the way that the Huskies are playing, but you seem to understand it. As a player, it's different when you're a player as well. I'm not planning to make a league, so I don't have the compassion that you're showing for them that, yeah, they are banged up. And I can actually understand it from hearing you say it. It's harder for me to say it. But it does make sense they're banged up, so they're not going to play at the top level. But they are winning, so I can't take that away yeah. from them. They're finding a way to win. And I said it earlier in the season that they're – their backups aren't nearly as good as their starters. So when they have to sub in those players, there's going to be a drop-off. But yeah. a win is a win. Got to take a win. I mean, they won the game, so there's nothing I can say bad about that. Yeah. We just we, – I think we can't forget that this is the first year of the Huskies in the Maple League. Yeah. I mean – True. Yeah. We, just, we have such high expectations that, I mean, it's hard to – have a team live up to those expectations the whole season. Yeah. I mean, even the Roosters lost a game, right? So it happens. Like, teams don't mm-hmm. play great every week, but this team is still winning even when they're not playing great. So at least yeah. they're getting the dubs when they need them. The Trojans, though, I'm going to say I'm still disappointed in the Trojans. You know who you are as a team. You know you, you need to be able to run the ball, and they went away from that. They the new quarterback. I think he has a really good arm, and they can pass. But Josh Juice Quezada only getting ten carries is never going to work out for them. And I know it's hard against a good defense that can stop the run. But like I said last week, and I feel like I'm repeating myself. Maybe people aren't listening to me, but you got to find creative ways to get that guy to ball. He's a great downhill runner, and they have him running a a zone read option where he has to move lateral. The O-line has to move lateral and they can't get downhill against stronger teams like the Huskies. The Trojans need to find a way to get juice the ball effectively and get him going downhill because he's shown that he is a, an aggressive runner and he can make plays, but if he's not getting opportunities, this guy can't, he's never going to be good on 10 carries. He needs 20 carries. So give the guy a 20 carry. That's what they brought him in for is to be a workhorse, but you're not putting him to work. I don't know I don't know what they got going over there in Turku, but they need to get it together or they're looking at not winning an entire game this year in the Maple League. I mean, I agree with what you say there. Yeah. yeah. Give him the ball. Let Juice run, run free, basically, yeah. yeah. I'm going to take a little bit of time to ask my guest host, Timmy Thomas, a few questions. And because on this show, AFF, we do what we want, 
we'll take this opportunity to ask you both personal questions and professional questions. And to make it even more difficult, I never planned the questions. Timmy Thomas. A first question is going to be a personal question. So coming from from the UK to Finland, culture-wise, what's your take on it? And don't give me the politically correct answer of, oh, it's different, but I like it. Like, how, do, how does it feel when you're here, when you're out and about, or even when you're with your teammates in your free time? How does, what's the vibe here in Finland for you? Um, it's, it's different to what it was in Senyaki. Okay. Obviously, Senyaki, where I was there, um, not everyone spoke English. Mm-hmm. So when you're walking around, of what I'm walking around now, and, you know, and you can ask a random person something or where, the, where to go, you know, they can answer you. And they, they do actually put a smile on their face, so it's like easy to talk to. But where I was in Senyaki, it was a lot different to that, where I'd speak to someone, someone would look at me, pause, and then walk away, thinking I'm an alien from some outer space. <laughs> so coming to Helsinki was definitely a good choice for me because I really I do enjoy the city life. Because the reason why I, I've been studying in London for the last past four years, coming from Wales to London, you know, I love that transition. So I love the transition from Senyaki to um Helsinki too you know we've got a good vibe going on here with the team as well and yeah I just uh the culture if you just speak and get yourself heard I mean I mean I get, I have that confidence in like so I'll just go and speak to a random person and so I'll do it so it's really not like big of a difference for me really okay so playing for the Roosters everybody knows your, your goal this year is championship you've already won a championship with the NEFL so my, yeah. my question for you now is, what motivates Timmy Thomas? Like, what what is your 